Hello, good morning. It is Friday the 5th of June. I'm Tom Tilley. And I am Jan Fran. Good morning to you. And some very good news a little bit later in the show, Tom. Yes, could the drought be breaking? Dum, dum, dum. We're going to speak to some farmers who say, look, they're cautiously optimistic for this one. The best thing was going into town and just seeing everyone, all the local businesses, any other farmers you bumped into in town, they were standing straighter. They had a big smile on their face. It was just a sense of relief and the weight of the world of everyone's shoulders, just that there was potential for better times coming ahead. So isn't that a beautiful image, Jan, walking into the main street of your town, people standing up straighter, the smiles on their faces after a bit of rain? Yeah, picturing it right now. We'll brief you on the drought in just a moment. Um, first, right now, let's get into the other big stories of the day. Tens of thousands of Aussies are expected to join Black Lives Matter protests uh, right across Australia, which are set to happen this weekend. Yeah, the protests are planned in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Adelaide, Newcastle. The Prime Minister Scott Morrison wants people to socially distance at these protests, but he stopped short of telling people not to go. We're a free country, so the idea that we would stop protests, I think, is something that would jar with Australians rightly. But at the same time, people have got to exercise responsibility. And at the same time, you know, we, we shouldn't be importing the things that are happening overseas to Australia. Mm. I'm not saying we don't have issues in this space that we need to deal with, but the thing is, we are dealing with it. Yeah, the crowds are rallying against the death of African-American man George Floyd and the treatment of Indigenous Australians here. 432 First Nations Australians have died in police custody in the last three decades. In Melbourne, uh, nearly 19,000 people have said that they will gather in the CBD tomorrow. Now, they have said this um, on a Facebook events page, so the numbers might Who knows? Up, who knows? They might end up being vastly different. Could um, rain. Tomorrow. It could, look, many things could happen, Tom. Unlike the Prime Minister, though, uh, Victoria's Premier has actually come out and said that people shouldn't go to the protest because there will be a risk that they will spread coronavirus. Now, Victoria's chief health officer says that we are still very much in the middle of a pandemic and the state's health minister has this message. Black lives do matter. We know that Aboriginal people are more susceptible to um, becoming severely ill. Yes, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see if a lot of people wear face masks at these protests and how close they they stand. Despite the warnings, officials have confirmed they won't be handing out fines um, since it'll be too hard because there's going to be too many people. Well, that's a bloody relief. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's it's important to keep in mind that the pandemic hasn't gone away. It's still there. Uh, mass crowds are spaces where it's going to be very difficult to social distance. So look, a hot tip, if you are going to go to these protests, just Try and stay as safe as possible. Wear masks, take the hand sanitizer, and try and keep away from people. It's certainly been a weird sight for a lot of people. Um, you know, where in America we were looking at images of bodies being piled into mm. trucks, um, to then you know a few days later seeing thousands of people running into each other in the streets. And as we're recording this morning, there's a memorial service in honour of George Floyd at the North Central University in Minneapolis. We come to you right now and ask you right now, Lord, that you will bless this family, oh God, as we take a moment right now, God, to remember the life of our brother Floyd. That was the university's president, Scott Hagen, uh, speaking there to hundreds of mourners. And a mural was projected above uh, the coffin of George Floyd, which read, I can breathe now. In New York City, a statewide moment of silence has been held in his honour too. Overnight, the Duchess of Sussex, so Meghan Markle, she actually gave a graduation address to her former LA high school and, and she spoke about the death of George Floyd. The only wrong thing to say is to say nothing because 
George Floyd's life mattered and Breonna Taylor's life mattered. And so did so many other people whose names we know and whose names we do not know. So the protests are continuing for a ninth day across America, but there have been fewer reports of protesters clashing with police and less looting. Yeah, and, and they've continued right around the world, actually. So Black Lives Matter protests are happening in France, they happened in the Netherlands and in the UK, and this is just to name a few countries. In London, the Star Wars actor, John Boyega, actually led the protests. Wow, that was John Boyega there. And if mm. you watch the whole video, um, he gets really fired up, really emotional. Um, and you can sort of understand why. And I think he came out and said, I don't know if I'm going to lose my career over this, but stuff it. Well, he used another word, which I won't use this morning. Um, So, you know, just sort of really passionate about the cause. And there are actually directors that have come out and and praised him for doing that as well. And Qantas and Jetstar have announced plans to increase the number of domestic flights. Right now, we're at 5% of pre-pandemic flight numbers. The airlines are aiming to bring that up to 15% by the end of June. Um, So that's 300 extra flights per week. Yes, and in a best-case scenario, they'd go up to 40% by the end of July. But, of course, that would really depend on the states reopening their borders. Um, And Queensland and Western Australia have said that they are keeping their borders closed for some time. And the 1st of July is the date tentatively set down for the first flights between New Zealand and Australia. Um, Would-be travellers are being asked to register their interest on Canberra Airport's website because the first flights will go between Canberra and Wellington on July on July 1 and 2. There'll be no two-week quarantine, um, but you have to get a COVID test before flying. Fair enough. I, I do hope this happens, though, because I, f- I feel like it's razzing some people up with the suggestion that international flights could open in the next few weeks, and if they don't, it might be very disappointing. Yeah, it does seem like this trans-Tasman bubble is taking a while. Like, it was first sort of, yeah. you know, floated Cows as an idea, mm. like... Quite a while ago. Yeah. We still can't go. We still can't ski. (laughs) And on a lighter note, the Prime Minister Scott Morrison was giving a press conference about the new home builder scheme yesterday when a homeowner came outside and told him to literally get off the lawn. 10,000 Australians. Can everyone get off the grass, please? Sure. Let's just move back for a minute. (laughs) Hey, guys, I've just reseated that. Yeah, please. Sorry, Sorry, man. Wow. All good. That's all good. Thanks. Yeah, all good. Didn't care. And it wasn't just the Prime Minister. It was the Prime Minister. It was his minders. It was the press. It was, there was a bunch of people. He just didn't care. And fair enough, too. He bloody reseeded the lawn, mate. Yeah, no, fair cop. But um, it's funny that they were, like, launching a package to help homeowners when they were pissing one off already. <laughs> yes. Look, and the the whole home builder scheme, frankly, is not off to a great start because it's copped a fair bit of criticism um, for being targeted at a very, very small section of the population. People who, look, may not necessarily need that money, given that they're going to be doing renovations worth $150,000 to $750,000. Yeah, you already have to be spending $125,000. This will give you a top up of an extra $25,000, taking you to at least $150,000 on your reno. They're expecting around 27,000 people will be eligible. So yeah, compared to the, the millions of people that 
own homes or the millions of people that don't, it is a relatively small number. All right, in a moment, we're going to speak to some farmers who've actually got something to smile about. Our farmers have been going through hell with one of the worst droughts in Australian history. But Jan Friend, finally, towards the end of our summer, we started to see some significant rainfall in February, March and April. Yes, we did. Some very good news. The bomb has forecasted an above average rainfall right through the winter. Um, Here is Dr Andrew Watkins. He's the head of long range forecasts at the Bureau of Meteorology. Dr Watkins, thanks for joining us. After this massive drought, when did the rains really start to fall and how are things looking now? Yeah, well, we've certainly been seeing a lot better rainfall through through large parts of Australia at the moment. Basically, they started when we started to see a breakdown of those very hot and very dry conditions at the end of summer or around mid-summer. Okay, so now we're looking at this forecast for, for winter and spring of above average rainfalls. Is that across a lot of Australia, and particularly our big farming areas? Yeah, most certainly. It's looking looking quite good for winter, and that's a, a really it's really great to see so much green on the map after having such yeah. brown and dry winters of late. Does that mean then that the drought is broken or will break? And and if not, how much rain will it actually take to break the drought? Oh, look, there's there's many ways of measuring drought, unfortunately, and, and, and each one is quite complicated. Look, in terms of a drought... I was really hoping agricult- for a yes answer to that question, actually, <laughs> Andrew, if that's all right. Or a simple one, but it sounds impossible. <laughs> uh, well, well, I'm very happy to, get, to give a yes in terms of, of agricultural drought. So, can we grow some crops uh, this this winter spring? The answer would be yes for most locations. We've seen likely to see some good rains through some, many of the drought affected regions. Look, it's looking good for most of the agricultural regions for this winter. Hopefully through into spring as well. And would it be nice if things just dried up a little bit for the harvest? So, in order to be able to shout from the rooftops that the drought has broken, mm. what will it actually take in an ideal situation? Oh, look, in in all order to be guaranteed that we'll have water available for for long term, you know, so we need to have our dams and our reservoirs filled. That's going to take several seasons of above average rainfall. Right. So we really need it to keep raining right through the, the winter and spring. But in terms of agriculture, we've got some moisture in the soil in lots of areas. The rain should come uh, during the winter. So yeah, looking looking pretty good. Always hard to say that a drought's over because it really depends on who you are, where you are, and uh, and what your water needs are. Andrew, you sound stoked to be giving some good news for you once. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the briefing. It is a pleasure, and, and yes, um, you know, I do have some smiles here for a change. <laughs> Ooh, Andrew Watkins there from the bomb, very happy by the sounds <laughs> of his voice to be announcing that, look, the drought is maybe possibly almost... On the way to breaking, I know he didn't want to definitively say yes or no because it's complicated mm. to sort of measure. When you think about our farmers, the, the COVID pandemic experience and the empty supermarket shelves we saw in the early stages of that, which was pretty scary, has made us really appreciate our farmers and how important they are. Yeah, and just how important, I guess, having a local and functional and very effective supply and chain secure. Is. And secure, exactly. Well, we're going to check in with how some of our farmers are doing. James Nalder is a cattle farmer from Coonamble in northwest New South Wales. He's told us that surviving the drought 
actually was a bit like going through the pandemic for the rest of us. I guess it's the best way of trying to relate it back to the COVID-19 virus for many people that have um, lost their jobs in, in the cities and the likes there. Suddenly it's suddenly you're relying on reserves of money that you might have in your bank account, but at the same time mm. you've still got all your ongoing costs coming in that uh, you've got to uh, be trying to cover as well. And brings on a lot of mental strain as well as financial strain as trying to make good decisions and um, keep your head above water. I can't imagine what this rain then means to you to have this drought, you know, really, if not break, certainly ease a little bit. Tell us about that moment when the rain sort of started coming. What was that like for you? The best thing was going into town and just seeing everyone, all the local businesses, any other farmers you bumped into in town, they were standing straighter. They had a big smile on their face. It was just a sense of relief and the weight of the world of everyone's shoulders, just that there was potential for better times coming ahead. So where's everyone at now? Like what's the vibe like at the moment when you go into town, given you had some late summer rain, which was great, and we're now looking at a forecast of a winter and a spring with above average rainfalls? Uh, well, locally around our district of Canamble there, everyone's in, in a pretty positive mood so far. Like it's um, uh, everyone's just – most people are in the process of finishing off their winter crop sowing at the moment. Um, the crops are all coming out of the ground. You can see that life coming out of the soil again and it's just um, the cattle are um, sheep and uh, livestock are generally just looking fantastic. Like they're just – they're going from being on Jenny Craig in a severe way to being – having to get – they're going to be going on Weight Watchers soon. It's just <laughs> such a massive turnaround. It's just, uh, you know, it's just a lot of positivity around. But at the same time, there's a lot of – there's a probably even greater financial strain at the moment because uh, a lot of people uh, we've had to go back to the banks and say, look, we need a little bit more assistance to try and get through this season. To, but there's prospects ahead that uh, we're going to be able to get have a good windfall come through towards the end of the year if, if everything comes together and if there's forecast and more rain coming together. It's it's there's a lot a lot to be positive about. It's it's a, a big giant carrot that's dangling in front of us all at the moment. To, uh, there is better times ahead for us. Yeah. yeah, well, you paint a great picture there of people rolling into town and pulling up in their trucks and standing up straighter and with a few smiles on their faces. I'm picturing a few umbrellas on the street. That's what I'm uh, saying. I'm picturing no, a few tinnies no, going actually, down. No, no umbrellas. Look, it's <laughs> just when it's raining, you, you just you it. it literally washes the stress away having that falling on you. It's just um, it's, it's hard to describe. It's the best stress relief ever. James, great to speak to you. Thanks for, for bringing that joy to the briefing. No troubles at all, Tom. Thanks, Jen. That's cattle farmer James Nalda in northwest New South Wales there. Now, just to give you a sense of how sort of significant the farming sector is, 85% of the food that we eat comes from our own farmers. Now, this is according to the Farmers Federation. Agriculture also makes up uh, some of our biggest exports and the industry is worth around $60 billion. Yeah, let's go to another farmer now and get a good sense of what's going on across the board with the the rains that we've had, but also the big news from the Bureau of Meteorology about the winter forecast. Wayne Dunford is based around parks in central west New South Wales. He's also on that state's farmers drought task force. He told us that a lot of farmers in his area are finally able to plant crops again. I think what it's done is uh, in the cropping industry, everyone's just gone flat strap, as we say. A lot of the crop is in, in a big part of the state, um, at the right time uh, with significant moisture. Uh, Big secret to growing a good crop is having moisture stored in the soil, in the subsoil, which is what we've got. We've seen feed growth like a lot of us have never seen for many, many years. So people that have still got stock or have been able to go out and purchase stock start to build back up their uh, breeding flocks to uh, start moving forward again. Has uh, got everyone's 
frame of mind in a totally different area. So, Wayne, you're the chairman of the New South Wales Farmers Drought Task Force. Obviously, your word is pretty important. Has the drought broken? You can't say it's broken, but it's a hell of a difference. So what would it actually take then to break the drought? What would need to happen in order for us to be able to say that the drought has Yeah, broken? even if these um, the forecasts from the bomb that we heard about um, last week, the above average yeah. rainfall throughout winter and into spring, if that comes true, will that be enough? I would suggest it would be. I mean, the secret to breaking the drought is continually getting follow-up rain at about the right time. So, you know, going into winter, um, a lot of people in, in the southern two-thirds of the state it's basically winter-dominant rainfall. Um, so we, we can get small amounts of rain from now on, and if it's above average, that's great. Going into spring and then, you know, a reasonably good rainfall event uh, in early to mid-spring for the croppers and everyone else would basically get us through this year. And I think people could look back and say, well, I think the drought's gone. Yeah, all right. We'll be keeping a close eye on that because everyone's desperate for good news at the moment, Wayne. Definitely. Um, now, you're around the area of Parks. Tell us about your farm and how this has all played out for you personally. What What was the worst moment of the last few years and then what, what, what would you say has been the turnaround moment for you? You know, in the cropping game, you can't afford to have two total failures in a row, which has never been heard of. Um, I should add, I suppose, that most people... With droughts, uh, expecting droughts at some point in time and generally speaking can manage to get through those droughts. But mm. when you get something of this significance, which has never been heard of here, that's when the whole game changes. And that, given the cost of cropping uh, and expenses that are incurred, it's a significant hit to the back pocket. And it then becomes very difficult even in a year like this because as soon as it rains... Um, all great to see the rain. Everybody has to start spending money again. So that money's got to be sourced from somewhere. And as some people have said, it's the last roll of the dice. If we don't get a crop this year, well, the other decision's made. Well, I guess what the pandemic has shown us is that um, we need, well, one, we need our farmers and we need that supply chain, uh, you know, providing fruits and vegetables and meats and products into our stores, It right? should have been obvious already, but it made it blatantly obvious how much we rely on our farmers and those supply chains. We are out there. We're still operating. We have our droughts and bad, you know, floods or all the rest of it. But we do grow the food. And the trouble is, I think, with our country, we export about 60% of everything we produce. And it's taken for granted that there'll be food on the shelves and everyone will be hunky-dory in Australia. But I think we've got a huge advantage now. And you hear it on the radio. Yesterday I was hearing them. People are a lot more conscious that, yes, we have got farmers. They are important. We should be really looking on the shelves what's grown in Australia and not brought in from other countries. So I, I think it's, there's some positives in it. There always is positives in anything. And I think it's a great opportunity that we, we promote ourselves a little bit better um, it's been done to a point, but I think it's ongoing and it's it's just raised people's awareness of agriculture and what goes on out here. Yeah, no, I think it's been a massive wake-up call um, as to how important our local production is in all areas, particularly of our food and our toilet paper, of course. Of course. Uh, <laughs> um, Wayne, great to speak to you and hear that things are, are turning around. Thanks so much for joining us on The Briefing this morning. No, it's a pleasure. And I think the critical thing is that people's mindset is, is gone from being, you know, at the slowest end to a point 
and there's nothing like a bit of green grass and puddles to change people's thinking. So thanks for the opportunity. Oh, pleasure, mate. Thank you. That was Wayne Dunford. He's a farmer in central west New South Wales. More good news there, Jan. I mean, particularly with the impact of COVID, meaning we're focusing on our own economy a bit more. There's an Australia-made campaign on the way, plus the rain forecast. There's a fair bit of good news for Aussie farmers. It could be a good time holding our breath, yeah. um, crossing our fingers. We'll be cautiously optimistic like a lot of the farmers are, I think. All right, that's it for this week. It's a long weekend for most of the country. Everyone except um, you if you're listening in WA, if you are listening from WA. We're thinking about you. Yeah, and we're sorry that and your state government you. doesn't give you a public holiday when the rest <laughs> of us have one for the Queen's birthday long weekend. Um, so on Monday's show, we're going to bring you a very special episode We're going to reveal the five most downloaded briefing episodes so far in our seven-week history. Yeah, a little bit of a wrap-up, a little bit of a best of. Yeah, the the stories that mattered most to you or that you you listened to most, um, we're going to sort of replay some of those highlights and pick up on some of the key points that came from those stories. So that's Monday's episode. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have an amazing long weekend if you do get one. See you soon. See you soon. A podcast one production.